need to like have a kid really that's what needs to happen then you can do the classic jokes like my kid did this and everyone will love you for it it's just my kid's an asshole oh boy i really like this guy i can relate he said it so i don't have to (laughs) but that's when comedians blow up is when they have kids or when they like have lots of instagram followers because they become racist and they lose their job but then the racist people love them welcome and thank you for listening to almost almost famous the podcast where actors writers comedians talk about the ups and downs ebbs and flows of working towards making it in this crazy biz and how they're almost almost famous i'm your host daniel acker today's guest has starred in foursome bollyweird and took second place in america's got talent but to me he is first place in talent it's the incredible comedian taylor williamson you're so professional oh thank you i try to be Speaking of professional, I mean, I've known Taylor for a long time, and I would say he's a professional, and he is just a incredible, incredible stand-up comedian. If you ever have the opportunity to see him, do not pass it up, because, I mean, anytime I've seen you, I've always been like, gosh, so where does this, like, where did your drive or desire to do stand-up come from? Oh, thanks, man. That's very sweet of you, buddy. Well, I started comedy in high school. I wasn't into stand-up as a child. Hmm. I just, all I ever cared about was pro wrestling. That's all that matters, obviously. And then I still feel the same. Nothing else matters. And then um, I watched this Comedy Central special. Uh, this is old. I think it was like an H. It's an old documentary. I don't know what it's from, but it was like a documentary about Andy Kaufman starting to wrestle. I didn't realize at the time. I watched it since it's done like tongue in cheek. Like it's like a fake, it's like a wrestling style documentary about Andy Kaufman. Mm. Like it's like, it has like actors from taxi. Like I'm going to say that the red haired lady, what's her name. And I want to say Billy Crystal, Robin Williams are in it. I'm not positive. But I think it's like those kind of guys being like, oh, I realized they're not from taxi. Maybe Tony Danza, maybe Danny DeVito. I don't know. It's just a bunch of great people from the back of the day. And they're just like, I don't know what happened to Andy. I'm worried about him, you know? but it's they're all doing a bit interesting so it's like your first love was wrestling but then a comedian got involved slightly and it kind of like helped you move towards like oh okay that's also an avenue i was like comedy's interesting and then when i was 17 um i found the comedy store in la jolla in san diego and then they had a comedy class and i took it which i don't suggest anyone ever do but do what you got to do and then I moved to LA and, uh, and then now here we are. It's interesting that it wasn't like as a kid, you were watching just a bunch of stand-up specials or listening to comedy, but I do feel there is a kind of through line or thread with pro wrestling, especially when we were growing up, which was like, it's still entertainment. It's still putting on a sold out show to a crowd and being like larger than life. So you were still gravitating towards the idea of entertaining yeah like for sure it, listen like wrestling is entertaining they call it sports entertainment like it's all about getting the reaction from the audience the booze and the cheers and like they call it a pop like a, a big, a, they, so they do a big a move in the ring or they do a series of things that builds to something then there's like attention and release it's comedy it's art it's performance and uh they know what they're doing like they're trying to, to get a reaction out of the audience in a certain way and like they try to get the crowd to boo or cheer them or make them dislike the other person. It's improv. It's like, 
So when I watch wrestling now, I'm not watching it. I don't watch. I watch like really annoying style. Like I don't watch it like excited. Like I'm not in the crowd like yeah, ooh, boo, yeah. I'm just like that's awesome. That's cool how they did that. I was gonna say it's it's funny. You watch wrestling now, probably similar to how you see comedy, or at least I've seen comedy where you've done it so much and watched so much that you are like, oh, I see what you did. Very impressive. Like you're not like laughing or cheering anymore. You're just kind of like ah, well done, like, well-crafted. Like, you can watch the art of wrestling and go, yes, that move to that move was an expert choice where other people around you are like, whoa, that's amazing. And that's the same thing when I watch, like, really good improv or stand-up where I just go, ah, beautifully done. Like, like that is a great joke or that's a great moment. Exactly. But is there anyone that can still make you just, like, laugh like a little fan? There's definitely people that, like, still crack me up, but I always feel like, I don't know if it's just the natural evolution of working in comedy where it just happens to where you're like, I can still laugh and enjoy someone, but there will always be in the back of my brain, like the worker kind of like piecing the magic together and being like, Oh my God, this is so great. Like, I don't know if I can just be like, not, not have any almost academic side of my brain working at what they're doing. Do you feel yeah. like, is there anyone in comedy you can just be like, oh my God, I'm just, I'm just laughing and loving it. Or are you always like, oh, these are just great jokes. And I see the, almost the math of it. You know who did that for me recently? And it woke us like a comedy special that brought me all the joy is, uh, is uh, Martin Short and Steve Martin's uh, thing. Did you watch that? Yes. I think part of it with them, there's something with like the duo, they've just been doing it forever. Also, it was, at least when I watched it, I was like, I'm really just liking watching a special that's so joyous. Yeah. Because I think yeah. so many specials now and so many comics, and I understand it, kind of the tone of the feeling is like, well, everything's shit, isn't it? And they make you laugh about it, but they were just like, hey, friend, hey, friend. <laughs> yeah, let's just hang out together. And you're just like, I, I just kind of missed that. Like, oh, right, like this could be a joyous thing. So yeah, they were, they were a definitely point. a special that made me, just smile and you feel good. Um, I loved it so much. I haven't even finished it. Like okay. I, ha someone told me I have like, I always I do that things I love too much. I I try to I hide from it. Like when I was a kid, my mom would go to Japan and bring me a, bring back like Japanese candy, mm -hmm. and I would save it and and because I want to waste it and then it would expire. You like to really treasure yeah. and enjoy things. I'm I can, I'm less like that. I'm much more <laughs> like. I want to, I want to consume it all. So I have it. So I know it all. I know so many people who are canceled. <laughs> no one I'm close with, but this girl I made out with once randomly, I just saw is like from seven years ago, just got canceled. Mm. Because she made out with you? Yeah. <laughs> the kiss of death is what they're calling Taylor in the business. Nice. I like that. One time I made out with someone and then they had like a viral infection like a week later mm. but i don't know if it was me but okay. i pretended like it wasn't in a world where everyone's trying to go viral right nice <laughs> this it. guy you might be the wittiest low-key you're like comedy sniper like uh, people honestly if anything we should advertise is look up uh taylor's talk show on youtube it's like a full episode of this grounding show that me and daniel and this guy kyle kennedy did and like Daniel's, it's like, it's my favorite thing I've ever done, probably, I think, like creatively. And Daniel's just comedy sniper superstar. Like, oh, thank you. 
I feel like Taylor was very good at incorporating myself and Kyle to play to our strengths. But every time you talked was funny. Like literally every time. And all the other time you talked, you were you were saving me because I didn't know what to say next. <laughs> and you were like, yeah, the script says this. I yeah. Well, I think Taylor, you're very good at setting me up for those jokes. Intentionally or unintentionally. Like I think you have a very good natural rhythm of comedy. And it was like just such a joy to be a part of the show. And hopefully once things open up, we'll be able to start doing some more here and there because it was like- Don't a, tell me that. You really are down? I'm so down. It was such a, I mean, it, it checked all my boxes. It's so much work. It was just me sitting in the darkness, getting to throw a joke out when it popped in my head. It's a very fun show. So definitely check it out if you really want to see like Taylor as always killing it and just watch any of Taylor's standup. Like, so you started doing standup, I guess what people would feel is early, like high school, what, when you're 16, 17? Yeah. You're proof that like time is the magic ingredient. Like doing it consistently is what propels you. And so by the time you auditioned for America's Got Talent, you already were like, in a way, a veteran at it. Like you were seasoned. It's just everyone looked at you were like, whoa, you're so young. And you're like, I get it. Chronologically, I might be younger, but like you've been doing this. Yeah, I did like 10 years when I did this show and people like, and it's not a knock on anybody for watching the show, but it's very funny. Like America's Got Talent fans, they're not comedy fans. They're just TV fans. And like the thing I would hear is like, I was a fan of you since day one. And they think day one's like my audition. I'm like, buddy, thank you for three months of support, but uh, 10 years before. And like, and people, and then people are like, you lost on America's Got Talent. I got second. They're like, you lost. So are you still doing comedy? I'm like, what? But I ended up getting attention more for my improvisation with like bantering with the judges more than for my standup, which is kind of funny. And like people come to my shows, they're like, you do, you do, you tell jokes too? I thought you just talked to the crowd. I'm like, what? Like, <laughs> yeah, I feel like that was kind of the, the secret sauce for you on the show, having like watched you through that it was always funny because like you said people were like who's this new guy and everyone else who knows you and knows like comedy they're like new guy like this dude's been performing forever but like okay I'm glad the world now is getting to like realize who Taylor Williamson is they'd watch you and be like oh I find his jokes funny and then really what I think was like propelling and incredible is they started to like you you know like and that's really what you want like you want the crowd to go, uh, not only do I find this comedian funny, but I want to see this person. Because let's be honest, like on America's Got Talent and other shows, there were other comedians your season and other seasons who did okay, but didn't make it that far because I think they were missing the human touch. And you come across very much like a person. Like you're, you can be vulnerable, you can be snarky you can be sympathetic you can be sweet like you you run the gamut of emotions when it's just you talking and on top of that you have the years of being a professional comedian so you back it up with the humor and so do you feel like that's always been kind of a natural thing like you just kind of like are very naturally yourself or has that been something over the years of doing comedy that you've kind of worked on and perfected a persona when I, I just posted a picture on my Instagram of me when I was on stage at like 18 or 19. And like, I'm like, I look like a deer in the headlights. Like, 
for my first few weeks. And if you watch my Craig, I was on Craig Ferguson show when I was 20. And the first time I was on, I tried not to smile the whole time. I think the second time, I, I want to say I tried to smile. But out of the later TV appearances, I, you can kind of see my evolution. Mm -hmm. Like, I started off trying to be deadpan. Uh, like, Mitch Hedberg was my, my favorite. Even though he smiles and stuff on stage. But I, was, I tried not to smile. Like, and then later on, I tried to smile more. And then now my favorite compliment I can get, which isn't even a compliment, is like you're the same on stage as off stage. Like I just try to be authentic. I mean, it's you with the volume turned up or whatever. But but the thing too is I you grow. I grew as a person. Like I wasn't a full person yet when I started stand up. Mm -hmm. So like I was still evolving as who I am and my personality. And there is definitely something about kind of while you're doing this very difficult thing of being alone on stage making people laugh and finding yourself at the same time is kind of a scary but powerful thing and I, I have seen you over the years kind of like not alter your comedy and not alter yourself but have the two kind of meet very naturally to where you're like oh great I myself yeah 100% on and off stage one thing I want to flag which I think is kind of incredible and maybe doesn't get like pinpointed enough is Taylor, you went on a show called America's Got Talent. It wasn't just Last Comic Standing and it wasn't a show where it's just a specific type of talent. It is people doing the most outlandish things. I believe the prize is to get a show in Vegas, like a residency or something where it's like Vegas shows need to be like explosive and um, insane. And to get as far to that as a standup I think is something that doesn't get like enough praise because you are competing with like people who are like juggling human, you know, like they're doing whatever they can. They're like doing backflips while they're like making an elephant disappear, whatever they can. So like, <laughs> I want to just, I want for the audience listening to realize like the enormous amount of talent Taylor has as a stand-up comedian to go head to head with, I, what I would say more spectacles, more things you watch and are just like, whoa, this is incredible, is something that should be of note. Oh, thanks, buddy. I got lucky because I got to showcase my personality. Like, I, I got, you get an intro video, like, uh, showing who you are. Then you have your performance for 90 seconds or whatever. And then uh, and then I had the, the judges, and I, I could have feedback with them. So I got... I was able to turn a 90 second performance into a seven minute performance. I was able to like, we're talking about wrestling. The wrestling term is get over. Like, well, like Hulk Hogan's <laughs> over with the audience. They love him, you know? Like I was right. able to get over with the America's Got Talent crowd because they got to know me and every week they got to know me more and they liked me more or whatever. So I do agree that you were able to turn a shorter time set into a longer set because you had the skill to like work the crowd and talk to the judges. And I got to assume that while you're performing and touring, that show must have been like a, another kind of like milestone or stepping stone. Do you have moments in your career aside or even with that where you felt you've kind of made it or have hit personal milestones? Yeah, I mean, that was the big, I'm still living off of that show, you know? Like that was years ago. And, but they, they bring me back for stuff sometimes, like less than they used to, but like, but they used to bring me back every year for to do stuff. And like, that keeps me alive. Like they did, they did, uh, 
I like I'm still hustling. Like we're trying to do come some exciting stuff, and I'm still trying to make other shows happen. Like I had a pilot with Spike TV that didn't go anywhere, and like unfortunately, this business if you almost get a thing, no one cares. It's like you never. Oh, you invested two years of your life into a goofy travel show, and then the network became uh, Paramount Network in the right during development, and they decided they don't want to make your show. Uh, so you, and then like you talk to agency managers, producers. Oh, so you done nothing since America's Got Talent? And I'm like, well, I had it at, at oh nothing, oh nothing, oh. And it's also hard too, because AGT is the number one show in America, and one of the biggest shows in the world, probably. I don't know, but like that whole franchise is, and like, so like, how do you do anything bigger than that? But um, yeah, that's the biggest thing I've ever done, and it changed my life. And do you have for yourself a personal like definition of success, or have you given it a definition? I think L no LA is very unhealthy in many ways. Like I remember this, like I did Craig Ferguson's show years ago, and like in general, it's a big deal to get to be on TV doing stand up. But like I'm looking, I'm not, I'm not being, I'm, I'm not talking about how great I am. I'm just like trying to look back to like a 20 year old kid who got to be on TV doing stand up comedy on CBS, and like, and I remember like I did it, and then I also felt. Cause I went to the improv the next night and I'm on the show with like all these like superstars and I felt like worthless. I was just like, Oh, I'm just like, I was on, I did a TV spot. These guys are like in movies, you know, like Zach Galifianakis is on the show with Sarah Silverman and all these people. And like, I think, I think it fucked up my perception of what is success and what is a big deal or what is like, if I do a thing and nothing big happens after that, I feel like does, nothing happened. Even though like, no, you did the thing you fuck, you know? Like, I think it, I didn't, I never had a healthy grounding force to like shake me and be like, be grateful. Look what you fucking did, you asshole, you know? It is so crazy how looking at a moment that like by itself is such a like great milestone and so successful is wonderful. But when you look at it kind of a, but, but what have you done for me lately? It gets dangerous where you're like, okay, I did this thing. And then I feel maybe I'm wrong, but I feel in this business, especially the highs are so high and the lows get so low and they can happen in a second. Oh yeah. Like you can do the thing on Craig Ferguson, leave the stage and immediately like look in the mirror and go, Oh, you're still a piece of shit. Like it's so crazy how quick that can happen. It, it does take the wind out of your sails, which I love to say. Uh, you're an avid sailor and a lover of wind i am i don't love it when the wind is taken out of my sails but i love saying the wind was taken out of my sails when like i was just on tv it's great thank you uh then he called up to say with my check like oh you owe fifteen hundred dollars i'm like wait so like i'm this is terrible i wish i didn't do it you know you know what i think about a lot like you know they said it's the journey not the destination and all that and i'm just like oh fuck I feel like I've ruined it all because I was always like, okay, what's next? What's next? Instead of just appreciating like that cliche shit of just like, this is so great. I'm grateful, you know? Yeah. And you got to enjoy when the wind is in your sails. That's so true. But it's scary though, because you have all these people telling you, don't like, don't, don't stop riding this wave. The wave's going to crash. You got to stay on the wave, man. But that's, that stuff fucked me up, honestly. Like when things were going really, really well. But like I had, I went from like, I was about to get a day job for the first time to, you're making tons of money and you have the biggest representation and yeah, it's, it's, a, it's scary to go from like zero to a hundred and that's what that show does. And, uh, anyways, but, uh, yeah, I love the show if anyone's watching.
Producers. Producers, I love Simon Cowell if you're watching. Thank you for the opportunity. <laughs> no, I mean, it was clearly such a incredible opportunity and thing, like you said, that helped launch your career even more and you're still being able to tour and probably like, a you know, there's probably a large fan base that might not have been aware of you that now are aware and are fans, which is so incredible. I feel like I need to like come up with a new, still me, but what's my reset? Like I still feel, I still, I've milked this America's Got Talent thing dry and I've tried some other things, but like, I need to be like, oh, I'm this guy now, you know? And I think yeah. about that, like like coming out of the pandemic, I was like, should I start wearing like a full suit on stage? Should I do that or like? Yeah, I feel like there will be a natural evolution for, for your standup and your comedy, but I think it will still be closely linked to kind of who you really are. I think you would feel weird if you're like, oh, I'm now this guy, if it's not a genuine thing. I need to like have a kid really that's what needs to happen then you can do the classic jokes like my kid did this and everyone will love you for it it's just my kid's an asshole oh boy I really like this guy I can relate he said it so I don't have to (laughs) but that's when comedians blow up is when they have kids or when they like have lots of Instagram followers because they become racist and they lose their job but then the racist people love them those are the two options now it's just that's that's so fun have kids and become a family act comedian or just become alt-right and start a patreon or you could just have kids who are alt-right and really marry the two and be like i'm not but my kid is <laughs> my kid's actually an asshole <laughs> like no for, for real though yeah you don't understand <laughs> he's, he's been getting on some message boards and we're really nervous about him you're somebody who I would put more in a bucket of like, you are quote unquote family friendly with some edgier material and jokes, but like, it's still a fun act and show. And I think people leave feeling happy, which is truly a gift. Thanks, man. You're so sweet, buddy. I love this show. You just compliment me a lot while I pet my dog. This is a great show. Well, now I guess is the perfect time in the show where we invite- the roast comic out who will do the opposite um so i like to i've been roasted by this guy before i'm i'm a fan uh well yeah he's he wishes he could probably say the same about you but (laughs) um so this is the time when we bring out famed insult comic raz clifford to to roast the guest bring him down a peg so let's go ahead and and get raz out here hey raz come on out Okay, hey folks, it's Raz Clifford. Oh, who who do we got? Taylor Williamson. All right, finally a person I respect. I mean, Taylor, the audacity to audition for a show about somebody having talent when you don't have any. Whoa, that's, <laughs> that is gutsy. And for those of you listening who don't know Taylor, consider yourself lucky. He's a piece of shit. <laughs> Taylor got second place in America's Got Talent, and he'll tell you. He'll let you know every time you see him that that's (laughs) what he's got. And personally, I wish he got first place in a show called Americans Who Get Deported. I would watch the hell out of that. I don't know if he's from anywhere, but just send him away from here. I'd say send him to Fresno. I don't give a fuck. Get him the hell out of here. And okay, honestly, folks, I've seen Taylor do stand-up, and it is hilarious. 
to watch this man bomb. He does it every <laughs> night. It's just a real treat. It's lovely to see a person struggle so hard. <laughs> and I'm going to paint a quick picture for you. Taylor looks like a pedophile who can't afford the windowless fan. Good Lord. There you go. Boom. There's your Raz, <laughs> you dummy. And if you ever see me out, you know, performing comedy, do me a favor. Don't fucking look at me. Don't talk to me. Just run the other way because I will probably want to punch you. Uh, boom. There's your Raz. Oh, my God. Later, folks. All right. Bye, Raz. Oh, man. He, he came out swinging. What a, what, a, what a rude person. That's not my style of comedy at all. No, that's, you know, to each their own. I, I agree. I'm, I'm glad that's not your style of comedy. I think you, you pull off much sweeter than he does. He's, you just let him in your, in your home like that? I didn't let it. He just barges in. He's like, all right, where's the, where's the person to rest? I'm like, oh, Jesus. Okay, come on in. He, wow. He has no, no boundaries, no filter. He's talented. He's, he's he's like that episode of Boy Meets World where Corey like had to go to prom and he had the wrestling match. Remember that? How, he had to go back and forth at the same time. How could I forget? <laughs> it's, it's the show. It's the episode everyone thinks of. Did they ever end that show with somebody coming up to him and he's like, "Hi, I'm Corey," and the person goes, "Uh, hi, I'm World," and he goes, "Oh shit, this is the moment." Whoa, I never thought of that. You know what stood out to me from from that show? There was an episode at the end of the high school. It was like a season finale of high school. Mr. Feeney, he had a line and he says to those kids, he goes, hey, Boy Meets World kids, remember, do do good. And then like Corey's smart ass, he's like, don't you mean do well? And then he's like, no, do good. This is amazing, Taylor. I do think about that line. I know. I think about it all the time. exactly what you're talking about. I get teary-eyed when I think about it. But yeah, no, I, I do have moments where I will think about like the power of that statement. So I'm glad you said it here because I think it yeah. is something important to to heed of the idea of like, you should do good in the world. Hopefully you do well also, but I think doing good is important. Well, Mr. Feeney does give some really good life advice in that episode. In your career or in your life, have you received, I always like to flag bad advice. Have you gotten some bad advice from people? I've gotten all the only bad advice. <laughs> Literally every advice I've ever gotten, I regret taking. You know what advice that I give out to people is I say, the more confident someone is when they tell you what to do, the less I trust them for what that's what you should do. Because nobody knows. Mm. Like, I don't trust anybody who says anything, but this is what I would do if, if I was in a situation. You had to follow your gut, follow your heart, but this is what I think you should do. People go, you should do this, you should do this. I swear, I always stop. I'm going to be like, oh, yeah, that one time. Like, pivotal things in my career that have been fucked up have been from listening to what other people think I should do. My advice is be nice to everyone. Mm-hmm. Through reason one through a million, it's because that's the right thing to do. But reason a million and 57 is you never know who you're not being nice to mm-hmm. and where they'll be one day. And then also uh, don't take advice from anybody. I completely agree. Just be nice because even if you want to think about it in a gross way you're completely right like you don't know who any person is now or might be like you don't want to all of a sudden get somewhere in your career sit across the table from someone you were an asshole to and they're like well 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 look who i'm talking to you want everyone you meet to go 
oh man, this person was always like a genuinely nice person. Whether they can help you or not, it ups your chances. Like, I think overall, you move further in this career from the people you meet and the friends you have and the nicer you are and the more they enjoy just being around you, the better off you will be. Yeah, man. Anyways, I, I don't know. My best advice is don't take advice from anybody and but also ask people for advice too at the same time, honestly. I wish, I really wish, I never had like a real mentor person. I had a couple, a couple people that was like, you're my mentor, right? And they're like, uh, okay, I gotta go. <laughs> But did you ever feel like you had a mentor in this business or life or anything? Not necessarily, but that is something that I'm always like, oh, that I see the benefit. I think it's asking advice of people you respect. I would say I'm more in line of, of amassing good social circles of people I think are not only nice people, but are very talented at what they do. So I'm kind of like, oh, they think I'm good that's a good sign. Like, you know, it's like, we're all kind of moving yeah. up together. As someone who has been on the late night show, I'm going to ask you as someone who will, I'm sure in the near future, be on many more. Do you have a like story you're dying to tell from your life as a late night guest? Like this will be a good bit for late night. Exactly. I have one. Yeah, you want to hear my, like, this is the bit I would do on late night. Oh yes, please. Hey, so ask me, like, you ever, like, do any, like, we must be like, so before you were a big deal, you must have done some, like, weird shows, huh? Okay, so, folks, uh, my next guest is the incredible comedian, actor, movie star, Taylor Williamson. True, true. He's a household name, no matter where you are. Taylor, it's so nice true. to see you again. We've, we've met several times. <laughs> you do so many big sold-out shows, but, you know, as a, as a stand-up, I... I you know, there must have been some very weird shows back in the day. Oh, man, that's so funny you asked that. Like, I didn't even know you were going to ask that. But uh, I have done some, like, rough shows. Like, one time I did a show in Parkston, South Dakota for a private company for their Christmas party. And uh, it's a company that makes grapple forks and rock buckets. So if you ever need those, I know the company there. <laughs> grapple forks and rock buckets. Okay, good. I, I was looking for a guy. Yeah, good. And then, uh, and then um, so it's like one of the little towns with no, no diversity. And I want to make sure the crowd gets what I'm talking about, you know? So I was like, hey, uh, before I start my show, do you guys have Jewish people around here? And then the guy was like, no, say whatever you want. I was like, that's not what I meant at all, buddy. Oi, And I was like, I, I mean, I, I, I. Did you have a thought where you're like, do I now not let them know I'm Jewish? No, and I mean, insincerity, that's what happened. But insincerity, I don't think he would have been like, you're a Jew. I don't, he didn't mean it. He he was just, you know, when, when you tell people you're a comedian, people, it brings out, as you know, the weirdest parts of people's personalities where they try to be funny or they try to be shocking. Mm -hmm. They try to whatever. It, it does, I think stand-up allows the crowd sometimes to talk more than you would at other shows and you know they all want to be a little funny so I could see that guy being like yeah you know like in a way he's saying like go crazy right have you had a moment because I feel like most stand-ups do where you've had just like a bad heckler oh of course would you have a go-to like shutdown on a heckler yeah I mean I remember like reading like David Tell's line was like, it's guys like you that make girls have sex with guys like me. And I'm like, that's so good. 
That is like great. Wonderful. My, I'm really, I'm really bad at these questions of like things that you should have. Like we all have like thousands, there's tons of them, but like bad heck, I've had awful, awful hecklers. Like I, I used to before, talk about like evolving my first few years on stage. I wouldn't acknowledge the audience at all. I was so, I, I was like, I'm a TV comic. That's what I told myself. It's so stupid. It's not even a thing. But I was like, I perform like on TV. So like I just, I do my act and I leave. So I remember I get booed and like people yell at stuff. And then I just didn't acknowledge it ever, which is the weirdest fucking thing you could possibly do, you know? Yeah. And then uh, that's why it's funny when people are like, you, I didn't know you tell jokes on stage. I'm like, I still see myself as like a joke teller. But as I get lazier and stuff and uh, I talk to the crowd more, but um. Now I deal with the audience kind of Seinfeld style mixed with my style. His style is like teacher style. People are being talking in the crowd. You just kind of, he's, he does it very authoritarian style where he'll just get quiet mm. and let them hear themselves talking and make them feel bad without saying anything, you know? Mm -hmm. But I tried that drunk people. It doesn't work for me. They're just like, they're like, they keep talking and they're like, yeah, they, they don't, it doesn't work. But, um, my style is just passive aggressively making them feel bad about themselves. Mm. I, I can't, I'm not mean. I go self-deprecating before I go aggressive, but I'll, I'll go, you're being really rude. I'll be like tongue in cheek. Like, why are you doing that? It's not kind. That's not a kind way to be like putting out my flame is not gonna make your candle burn any brighter. Okay, buddy. And mm. I just make them, I was like, you're being a rude person. Like you're, this is not a polite way to be like, and then I, I just go really likable. Then after the crowd's on my side, I'm like, that was cute. Was that cute about that? But then, and then it escalates. I go, you shut the fuck up. And then the yeah. crowd likes me. Ideally, then like they like me because I cur I don't, I'm not aggressive like that. And I act like I'm a, a guy like that. Then it gets a fun reaction. Yeah. I'm giving away all my secrets here. But you, you go, you get over on the crowd. You got to get over, brother. Yeah. Brother, you got to get over. You then get you got, over? then you. Then you turn heel on the bad guy, brother. Oh man, you get that pop. It's all my, favorite, my favorite thing about wrestling people, like I listen to wrestling podcasts or if I get to hang out with them and my dreams come true. They use the word gimmick for everything. Like gimmick mm. means like Undertaker had his old school gimmick and then he had this gimmick or Stone Cold Steve Austin's gimmick was, I hate my boss and I'm gonna hit my boss, you know? Yeah. And then, uh, but then they also call everything gimmick though. Like, oh, I got this toothbrush gimmick. It's so good. It's got all these bristles on it or like, Oh, I got this back. Uh, I gotta get. I got this. Um, they add the word gimmick unnecessary. Like there was such a thing as like stand-up comedy for wrestling fans. Like my my closer would be like, "This is I'm this, I'm not doing a bit on you because this is not a thing I could ever do." But like they say stuff like, "Oh, I got this knee replacement gimmick, man." Oh, like just say knee replacement. Why do you add the word gimmick? So they're like, "Oh, my gimmick's in the shop. It wasn't gimmicking on the way to the gimmick." And you're like, "What?" <laughs> basically they're like oh, i got a newborn baby gimmick yes yeah. it's the cutest gimmick i've ever i've ever had but man yeah. does this gimmick not sleep yeah i love it well taylor thanks for all the gimmicks you bring to the world thank you gimmicks you're for it i mean if people listening they're already a fan of yours but you're like for real one of the smartest comedy minds out there you're like comedy uh like uh science man you're like a science man for comedy and people need to realize this. Everyone needs to watch, Google, look up on YouTube, Taylor's talk show, and there's clips and stuff, but the full episode is the one where you get to see Daniel shine or hear him shine. And it's a fun comedy show that he, he co-wrote and created and we have fun with, so. Yeah, so look up Taylor's talk show on YouTube. We, we guarantee you'll enjoy Maximum it's, Yucks. 
It's that good. Thank you, Taylor. Thank so you much buddy. for being on the podcast. And again, thank you for everyone listening. I'm your host, Daniel Acker, and this has been Almost Almost Famous. Thank you.